good morning again. We're going to dismiss our children at this time. If you have children that want to go to a program for them, that would be fantastic for them to do so. If you have your Bibles this morning and you would, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. New Testament uh, letter of Paul to the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter 1. There is a story that is told of a mother who was at work and her daughter, younger daughter, but she was old enough to be left at home alone because she was ill. She wasn't feeling well. Mother had gone to work and uh, she hadn't been there too terribly long and she received a phone call from her daughter. Her daughter said, boy, I'm just, I'm feeling worse. I just don't feel good. I, I need you. I just, I need you, I need some medicine, um, can you please come home? And so the mother goes and talks to work and gets permission to, to leave, to go home to her daughter. And, uh, and she leaves, she, she jumps in the car and she heads home. And she's going by the pharmacy to pick up some medicine on the way to the house. And as she is, she, you know, she's praying, Lord, you know, be with me, help me. It starts to rain. And she thought, man, I'm just going to pull in here really quick, jump out, run and grab the medicine, jump in the car, take off, get home to my daughter. So she jumps out of the car. She runs inside. She finds the medicine. She buys it, uh, runs back out of the car, starting to rain harder. And she gets to the car. She realizes she's locked her keys inside. Ever been there? One of those just stressful moments. You're trying to hurry and it seems like everything's slowing you down and getting in your way. So she's Standing there in the rain, she doesn't know what to do. She runs back into to the pharmacy and to see if she could find some help. Nobody inside really, you know, don't know what to do, don't know, know how to help. So they give her a coat hanger. So she goes back out to the car. She's standing in the pouring rain. She's trying to use the coat hanger, and she's having no success at all. And she continues to pray, Lord, I need your help. Please, I need somebody, something. I've got to get in the car, get this medicine home to my daughter. She needs me. And just at that moment, a pickup truck pulls up. And the guy gets out of it. And I mean, this guy is, he's burly. He's one of those guys that, you know, there's tattoos and there's scars. And, you know, and it's one of those guys that, that you go, I sure wouldn't want to meet him alone in a dark alley, right? And uh, she looks up at this guy, but she's desperate. And uh, she, she tries to explain the situation. Can you help me? And just in, I mean, just like that, the door was unlocked. And she was like, this is amazing. She's so happy. And so thinking, because she'd been so desperate, not realizing, thinking about how she had looked at this guy initially, she gives him this big old hug and says, thank you so much. You're such a nice man to help me. And, uh, and with that, he kind of pushes back and he looks at her and he said, I'm not a nice man. He said, I just got out of jail. And the reason I was in jail is for stealing automobiles. And the truck I'm driving is stolen. And she said, thank you so much. And she jumped in her car and took off. As she began to drive down the road, she thought about the prayer that she had prayed for help. And she looks to the Lord and said, Lord, thank you for sending a professional. So Sometimes how we view our prayers... Sometimes how we just utter those needs and we, we really don't think about how God answers or how God responds or, or how He reaches out to meet that need at that moment in time. 
And as we look at this letter of Philippians, we see Paul as a man of prayer. And he is writing this letter. It is the most spiritually intimate and loving letters that we read in the New Testament writings. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and on one of his missionary journeys, Paul had established this church. And these believers were young in their faith, but they were were people that he had led to the Lord with the help of the Spirit that he had converted, that he had brought to Christ. And he had a, a special place in his heart. And he had a great passion for these people. They were dear to him in so many ways because of the history that they held and the things that had happened between them in that special relationship. He begins the letter by showing gratitude to them for their part, their partnership, and their helping in his ministry. And then he utters these words that he assures them that what God has begun, what God has started, God will always finish. And those are such encouraging words to think about as we are a work in progress and God is is ministering and moving and working in our lives. As He has started a work in us, His Spirit has begun to work in us, He'll finish it. He'll complete the task if we will allow Him, if we will continue steadfast and faithful to Him. He will complete the work in us that He has begun in us. And as He encourages them with those words, then He turns and He begins to utter this beautiful, beautiful prayer. Listen to it. Read with me if you would. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. And this I pray. Here's a prayer. This I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul writes his prayer, and he says, This is what I pray for you. I'm praying for your heart. I'm praying for your needs. I'm praying for your life. He had an incredible passion, not just for the people at Philippi, but for all people that he had encountered for their spiritual development, for their growth and maturity to become more of what Christ had called them to be. And this passion was evident in his teaching and his preaching, but it is also extremely evident in his prayer life. I want you to think for just a moment about a few other times that we see Paul and his passion in his prayer life to help others to grow and mature in their relationship with the Lord. Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 15 and 16, you don't have to turn there. You can't listen to what he writes as he writes to the church at Ephesus. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the the Lord Jesus Christ, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. He said, listen, I've heard about your love, your love for the Lord, your love for others. 
And he said, I continue to think about you, and, and I don't cease in that, and I continue to mention you in my prayers. I'm always praying for the church at Ephesus. We know that we just read he's praying for the church at Philippi. He was passionate about praying for others to grow in their relationship with the Lord. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. He says this, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul writes to the church at Colossae, and he says, We are praying for you that you will grow in the Lord, that you'll be filled with spiritual knowledge and understanding, that you'll mature and grow up in Christ Jesus. Over and over again, we see Paul passionate about praying for others, for them to grow and mature and develop in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 2, he writes to the church at Thessalonica, We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. Over and over and over again, we see Paul writing about his prayer for believers. Praying passionately for people to grow and mature and and to grow up in Christ Jesus. And so as we see Paul in this, his passion of praying, and his passion of praying for others, and for their spiritual development and growth, there are many lessons that we can learn from him. He guides us through a process in understanding that prayer and that passion for prayer for growth and maturity. I heard a story not long ago, and uh, There was a person who was talking about they had a a cup of coffee in their hand. And they were with some other people and someone walked by and bumped them and they spilled their coffee. And they were kind of complaining and, you know, a little bit grumbling about somebody being so careless to bump them and spill their coffee. And, And so one of the people that was with them asked the question. They said, hey, do you know why you spilled your coffee? Well, that seems like a pretty obvious question and answer right and so the person said well i spilled my coffee because the person that was careless and bumped into me and the other person said no you're wrong it's the wrong answer they looked at them like what i I don't understand what are you talking about i'm wrong that's the wrong answer what do you mean and they said well listen you spilled coffee because coffee was in the cup if there had been tea in the cup you would have spilled tea If there had been milk in the cup, you would have spilled milk. And so why did you spill your coffee? You spilled it because that's what was in the cup. And whatever's in the cup is what's going to come out. The same thing's true for you and I. It's what's inside when we're bumped in life is what's going to come out. Whatever we've been filled with, whatever we've allowed to be inside of us, in our minds, and our hearts, and our lives, when we're bumped around in life, that's what's going to come out. And so we need to understand, as Paul writes, and he's talking about the importance of maturity and growing up, and he's praying passionately for these people to grow and mature. He's praying about what's going to be inside of them when they get bumped around in life that's going to come out. 
Is it going to demonstrate the power of God and the presence of God and their spiritual maturity? Or is it going to demonstrate something else, something of the world or something of other thoughts or ideas that's not of the Lord? And so we have to understand when Paul is praying, he's praying passionately because he's praying for these people, not just to grow up and mature, but for them to be an example for others of Christ Jesus when they get bumped around in life. And the fact of the matter is, he wants to be confident in what's going to come out when they face the challenges and difficulties in life. And so he's praying for them to have spiritual progress in love. He's praying for excellence. He's praying for their integrity. He's praying for their good works and for them to glorify God. Those five things. Or what he prays for in this passage. Let's take a look at them together this morning. The first is this. He's praying for their spiritual progress in love. Look back with me if you would at that verse 9. And where we began in this text. And he says this. And this I pray. That your love may abound still more and more. In real knowledge and all discernment. Let's talk about that word knowledge for a moment. Talk about growing We talk about maturing. Uh, Knowledge is not just the knowing of facts. It's not just the, the knowing of a particular set of information or knowing a lot of things about different things in life. Knowledge, as he speaks of it here, this knowledge that he refers to abounds still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. This knowledge is referring to a true knowing of someone. And specifically this knowledge is a true knowing and growing in the love more and more. He's talking about growing in our relationship with Christ Jesus. And the more we know of him, the more we grow in him, the stronger we become in our faith. And he's talking about a love relationship that we have that he loved us and in turn we love him that your love may abound more and more. That's what he's referring to. In all real knowledge. In other words, he says, I want you to grow and mature in your love relationship with the Lord. And as you know more of Him, that relationship will grow. As you know and understand more. And then notice he uses this word discernment. Discernment means distinguishing the difference between right and wrong. Discernment means ability to recognize that which is right and wrong. And often in life... You and I don't have a lot of trouble in discerning, recognizing, or determining the difference between right and wrong in major things. In the big things in life, we generally get it. This is right and this is wrong. Okay, We generally, for the most part, understand that pretty good. And, for the most part, we stay within those bounds pretty well. The struggle that we have and the problem that we face when he talks about a real knowledge and discernment is when it comes to deciding or determining between that which is good and that which is far better. That which is acceptable and that which is exemplary. Right? The big, the big differences, the things that are really right and wrong, the, the things that, th- those are easy. We, we get that, right? But the struggle we have is, is, well, I'm doing this, and this is good. There's anything wrong with it. It's okay. 
But is there something better I could be doing for the kingdom? Is, is there something more impactful that I could be doing for the kingdom? I'm okay with the good. Get along all right here. This is kind of, you know, status quo. It's okay. But what if he's calling us to something more? What if he's calling us to something better, or something greater, or more significant? It's not just the, the big, easy, black and white, yeah, here's the right and here's the wrong. But it's about a knowledge as we grow in him, as we mature in him, as we get deeper in his word, as we understand more of the scriptures. Then we're able to discern or know the difference between the good and the better. Between the acceptable and the exemplary. Between, yes, it's okay, but this could be something far greater. And so Paul prays passionately for these people, for these believers, and I believe for all people, to have a a greater understanding of knowledge and discernment, real knowledge and discernment of a relationship with Christ Jesus that moves us to the next level and the next level and the next level as we grow in Him. Second thing he prays for in verse 10 is excellence. And this idea of excellence is so critically important for us as believers as we become an example for others to see Christ in us. So that, now notice this, this knowledge and this discernment, this growth that we're talking about in our love may may it abound more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. So that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. He says, listen, what I'm praying for you is that in this knowledge and in this growth that you will aspire to, that you will desire for, that you will long for, that you will strive for excellence in your life. And this word excellence that we look in the original language is a word that was often used in regards to potters. And we've talked over the last few weeks a little bit about potters and different aspects of that, but a potter and a clay, and they would make a, a, a vessel. And the vessel would have a crack in it or it would have a, a flaw in it in some way, shape, or form. And so what they would do in those days, they, they, that was the best thing they knew to do, is that they would take wax, and the wax would fill the flaws, or the wax would fill the cracks so that it would seal and so that it would be useful, even though it wasn't a perfect vessel, it would at least be a useful vessel. And so oftentimes they would take these, these vessels and they would sell them as though they were perfect vessels, that there were no flaws and everything was okay. But we began to understand that if you took that vessel out and you held it up to the sunlight, that the sunlight would reveal the flaws. In other words, that in, in where there was the actual clay that had made the vessel in the pot, you couldn't see the light through it. But where the wax had been used in order to fill the gap or to cover the flaw, that the sunlight would reveal where that wax existed. And so Paul is writing and he, he writes about this excellence that he's talking about. In other words, he's saying it's, it's a reaching of an idea of maturity or development that, that the flaws do not become revealed when we're held against the light. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that we're held against the light? What, what does it mean that our flaws are not revealed? 
He's talking about a distinct difference in regards to our being measured and that measurement being against God's Word and not the world. And that when we are held to the light, the light being God's Word, that our flaws, that we, that our flaws are not revealed, they're not made known because of the spiritual maturity that has come in Christ Jesus. And so when he talks about these things, he's talking about how he desires for them to grow up. Why? He said, I want you to be matured because you are an example for Christ-likeness. And people around you look to you as that example. And if we're not living on another level in regards to that relationship, if we're not being the example that we should be or the influence that we should be in others' lives, he said, then it is detrimental to the spiritual kingdom of God. It becomes a deterrent for others. How many times have we heard that in life? That people say things about the church and Christians and believers, and they say things like this. Well, listen, I know some of those people down there. And I know how they live their life and what they do and the way they act. And if that's what Christianity is about, I don't want anything to do with it. If that's how real believers behave, then I'm not interested in that. And so, so our life and how we live it can become a, a deterrent for others to know Christ Jesus. And Paul is praying as he's established these new churches... And as these churches are growing and they're becoming the influence of Christianity in the world of that day, he is praying passionately for their maturity and their growth and their development so that they become the right example that they should be in excellence in regards to allowing other people to see Christ Jesus living in them so that they would be drawn to Christ and they would be drawn to His Word, not repelled from it. And so he's praying passionately for this. And, and then the final thing that I see there is the importance of integrity. The integrity that he prays for in verse 11. Look again with me at that if you would. And he says, Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Christ Jesus. He says, I, I am praying that you would, at the end of verse 10, in order to be sincere and blameless. He's talking about, in regards to that, our integrity. Integrity is an interesting word. Once we come into a saving relationship with God through Christ Jesus, God comes to live in our lives in the person of the Holy Spirit. God's Word is very clear about that. And the Holy Spirit of God within us enables us to be filled with the fruit of righteousness, which means that we are living in a right relationship with God. It is this power that allows us to live with spiritual integrity. We can't do it on our own. We do not have the ability, we don't have, have what it takes in order to have that kind of spiritual integrity to live as God calls us to live without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Integrity is the, the quality of being honest, and having a strong moral principles and the state of being whole and undivided. I think it's so interesting when we talk about integrity, the, the idea of being whole and undivided, that we have strong moral principles, that we are living according to the truths of God's Word, and we are allowing His Word to guide the directions 
of our lives. This indicates that we are the same no matter what's going on in life. Whether we're getting bumped around, what is spilled and comes out is God's Word that has been put in. Whether we are with many people or whether we are alone, we are the same no matter what. What that means is that even if it's difficult, we choose to do what's right. Remember what we've been talking about, the difference between right and wrong. Those, those big things are easy to see, but sometimes the smaller things and the difference between better and, and, and good and better. And, and he said, so, so what I want you to understand is, is that when you are alone, Even if what's doing right is difficult, you still choose to do what's right. That's integrity. That's integrity that says, because of God and His Word and His Spirit that lives in me, I'm always, no matter what, I'm always going to do what's right. Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 14 says, So then, brethren, we are under obligation... It's an important word, obligation. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live for all who are being led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. Integrity. Being led by the Spirit of God. He says, if we are being led by the Spirit of God, then we are sons of God. Being led by the Spirit of God, not by the influence of the world, not controlled by worldly standards. Integrity comes from the Spirit living within us. And so as we think about these principles that Paul is giving us as an example today as he prays, And he prays passionately for people to grow and mature. He prays for us to come to a greater understanding of what it means to live in Christ Jesus every day. And that we need to be praying every day for one another. And we need to be praying for ourselves that we would grow up. That we would mature. That we would embody this excellence and this integrity that he's talking about. That we would develop in our love and our spiritual journey with the Lord. And that we would become the example for others to see. And so the question that remains this morning is simply this. When you get bumped around in life, what spills out? What comes out of your heart? What comes out of your mind? What comes out of your mouth? What comes out of your actions? Is it from the Spirit living within us? The power and the presence of His Word? And how He leads us and guides us and directs us? Or is it the influence of the world? Is it I'll get even? Or it's their fault? Or pointing fingers? Or blaming them? We get bumped around in life. When, When things are smooth, everything's going great, it's fine. When we get bumped around in life and what's really inside of us gets spilled out. What's spilling out for the rest of the world to see? And is it Christ Jesus and the power of His Word? This morning we're going to offer an invitation here. Maybe the